Contramundum, episode 35, Emergency Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Contramundum. I am uh, your host, Andrew Isker, and with me is the other host, uh, CJ Engel. Hello, CJ. How are you? Doing well. This is our first emergency broadcast. We yes. didn't plan on this, but it's uh, ne- uh, necessary. We had something recorded yesterday, you and I, mm-hmm. but we're going to push that off because of the happening, uh, yeah. the happening in the Middle East. Yeah, which things are actually seems- happening. It seems to be explosive, uh, not like the Ukraine stuff, which is basically just fake and prolonged. Um, but this seems to be, this also seems like it's going to be really fast. Uh, not in terms of uh, it's going to last quickly. It's not going to last a long time. But in terms of, uh, you know, how how quickly things are going to tr- change and transform uh, yeah. domestically and internationally. I mean, this could be a, a big one. So we wanted to make sure that we got an episode in on the Israel-Hamas uh, conflict so yes with that said um it's getting heated out there in terms of war propaganda it's uh it reminds yeah. me i haven't seen anything like this i mean obviously covid was really intense propaganda but uh, oh, yeah. really in terms of war uh the last time we saw this was basically with the weapons of mass destruction in uh, iraq yeah. so yeah i think something big yeah something along this along these lines and and that's i think the you know the first place to start there has been you know, a, a ton of controversy over um, some of the claims. And so, like, to begin with, I mean, there is the uh, claim about Hamas going in and, and, you know, killing, you know, 40 Israeli babies, cutting their heads off, things like that. And um, it it isn't as though Hamas didn't murder hundreds of people you know men women and children in israel like no i don't think anyone um anyone who's worth talking about is disputing that right that they did that like everybody everybody gets that everybody knows that they're they're evil sadistic killers well what's Um, what's more interesting though is is how this came about i mean yeah because like it, it, it's funny the way that the uh, the narratives kind of gain ground organically. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was basically a rumor said by a soldier as he was walking through an area who a journalist basically overheard it yeah. and then tweeted about it. And then everyone started pushing back. And so they had to cling to it. Right. Because they yeah. can't be caught in these lies. And so this is just how narratives take you know a life of their own. And then mm-hmm. they were asking for proof and evidence of this stuff because all of it was unsubstantiated. Uh, Even the Biden administration was like, we didn't hear anything about this. Well, yeah, so after had- Biden says he saw the photographs and then the White House is like, well, actually, we didn't see any photographs. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. th- th- but this is the way 21st century war propaganda works. It's all yeah. it's all live. It, literally. I mean, these yeah. people that are pushing narratives have to be on the ground. They have to be uh, pivoting very quickly. They have to be very flexible. They have mm-hmm. to be prepared for all types of um, you know debunking. Like there's hordes of people online just ready to debunk things on either side. So it's yeah. a really, I mean, it's, it's total ideological uh, war. I mean, Alex, yeah. this is like Alex Jones level war for your mind. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's literally like you, you got to be careful out there because you're yeah. going to believe, you're going to believe stuff. It's going to look really real, real. And now, you know, 
Netanyahu tweets out this uh, evidence, you know, using these charred figures, and yeah. it's really hard to tell what it is. Ben Shapiro, <laughs> who's hysterical right now, he's completely unhinged. He yeah. tweets it out. He's not he's not as unhinged as Jordan Peterson, which is really funny. But yeah, he tweets out this Close. photo. And then people start doing AI checks on it, right? And some AI generators are saying it's fake. Some are saying it's real. So it's really hard to know what's going well, on. But the yeah, chaos and, is just unreal. And in the age of AI, it's it. How do you know yeah. things are real? You know that that's that's the thing. Right? One way or the other. And 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 the difficult thing here is, and it, it it's a tough. I mean, this is this is why propaganda is effective, um, because it's a very tough line to walk. Because if you if you dispute something, right? If you dispute that this event happened or this incident, this particular incident that they've you know grabbed hold of um, happened, uh, it looks like you're being sympathetic to Hamas, right? It's like why do you well why do you want it to be not true? Yeah, that's just the way propaganda works. Yeah, and it's like well why do you want it to not be true? You obviously you're like BLM and, and the DSA and all the lefties who are waving Palestinian flags, right? And it's like, it, no, no, I just don't want to be lied to. It's like, it's like, it's like to. Pearl Harbor, you know, like when FBR was blamed for knowing in advance that it was going to happen and people would point that out and they're like, okay, so you're, you're pro Nazi then it's like, yeah, no, this, yeah, I don't want to be lied to. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it's always exactly. been this way. This isn't new. It's just quicker. Uh, it's more intense, but we also have better tools we're also more yeah. cynical now than we were back then. Much more cynical. I yeah. think you and I, our generation is much more adept at interpreting things than our parents' generation. Oh yeah, I mean, and and to be fair to you know the older generation, you know, we always want them to be kind of the whipping boy, right? <laughs> but to be fair um, to that generation, like that they, from cradle to grave, they've been reared on television, mm -hmm. and anything that's on the television is is you know treated as um, you know, absolute truth is, is just gospel. And our, our generation is, is the one that came of age with the internet and um, the internet has allowed, um, allowed alternate explanations and theories and ideas to be proliferated much, you know, much broad, more broadly and wider. And um, it, it makes, in one sense, it makes propaganda a lot harder, although they, I mean, they've clamped down on the internet and they've, they've restricted free speech and, and so forth. But um, it's, it, it's still the, the great issue with, with propaganda is um, with things like this, like if, if you could tell a lot, like, so say you are, you know, if you work for the, um, you know, the IDF or whatever, or you work for, you know, the American media um i right. for the idf i'm a taxpayer yeah, that's right. <laughs> sorry go ahead <laughs> yes but like say you're say you're working for them like um and and the truth is like you your country's been attacked you've you have you know hundreds i think it's like 1200 now apparently of of you know civilians you know men women and children that have been murdered and, and raped and tortured and, and and kidnapped and um so like that's true that happened uh but you know, the temptation it, when you are, are you know, um, part of the narrative formation industry is you take the truth and you it's very easy to embellish it, right? Because you, you take the things that, that are true, but you want to produce a narrative that will, um, that will manufacture consent among mass population for particular policy goals. 
Right. Yeah. And so, and, and, and part of the thing, this is, this is something I, I, I tweeted and wrote about is it's not just right. It, and the question is, well, well, if all of this stuff happened and it did, right, why would they need to lie about this? Right. Why would they lie? And it's, it's because the mm-hmm. truth is often really complex. Yeah. It's true. And when you're dealing with the masses, they can't handle complexity at all. Mm-hmm. Right. Not even a little bit. Yeah. And so if you have a, a single event that can represent the whole um, and is easily digestible by, you know, um, 80 to 110 IQ people, right, which is the middle of the bell curve. And right, if, if you have something that's easily digestible and then, then they can understand the conflict in that way and then they're yours. Right. And so and then you can like so for the American population. Right. If, um, yeah, it's all about, if we go to, it's all about mobilizing and manufacturing public consent on both yeah. sides, on both sides, both sides have yeah. to do it. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like that's the real politique of manufacturing consent is you have yeah. to, you have to take something bad and you have to twist it in order to get it inside these little bumper sticker sized, yes, um, t- talking points. And the more, and if you, and if you can sway public opinion toward your way, then you will win. The war. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah, exactly. And so it, it's, you know, obviously it's uh, simple to say, all right, Israel was attacked. Innocent people were killed by Hamas. That's why we need to support, you know, the United States going into Lebanon or bombing Iran or, or whatever, or, right. or being involved in the war in some way. Um, and, and that's, that's, that, that's like the purpose. That's the point of it is to get the American public on, on this, on that side, or even, even to to pressure, you know, American politicians and and the White House and and so forth to uh, give give the Israelis a really long rope, right? To give to give them a, a a ton of of freedom to do whatever they want in response, because there's going to be backlash as soon as as soon as the IDF goes in, and now you are seeing Palestinian kids, you know, uh, turned into goo and and killed, um, then people are going to forget, right? That, that is what, that's what every single time this stuff has happened. That's, that's what's um, occurred is some outrage, um, some, you know, horrific thing that, that Hamas does uh, prompts the Israelis to respond to force. And then uh, they kill a bunch of Palestinians and everybody forgets why they went there in the first place. And so they want, so whether or not it's true, like they want to do this um, in order to, make very simple, basic bumper sticker argument of why, why it's okay for him to do it. And so, and, and in particular, why it's okay for the United States to support whatever they do and, and even to back them up. Like, I don't, um, I mean, we can get into later what realistically the United States will be asked to do mm-hmm. uh, militarily and, and, and everything like that. But um, at this point, like the, the the narrative formation stuff is important because um, we are constantly lied to, and mm-hmm. and all like you said, our our generation knows that uh, we're lied to about everything, and it's like um, if we're lied to about this, right? You shouldn't be okay with it, even even if you're like. No, they they were attacked. That you know, you have zero sympathy for Hamas whatsoever. Um, it still, it still should bother you that you're being that, that potentially at least. And and that's the thing. It's like I don't know if it's true or not. 
right? I, I have no idea. And that's what I've said. I'm like, I don't know if it's true. I mean, it seems, it seems like, like one, um, of the, one of the things they do, like the ghost of Kiev, that's what I keep going back to is like, I remember, you know, two years ago when it's like, yeah, this mm. Ukrainian fighter pilot, you know, shot down 7,000 MiGs and, uh, and, it, <laughs> and it's actually, and then Eric Swalwell or whoever uh, tweets, <laughs> tweets a picture of Sam Hyde. <laughs> it's like, we've identified him. <laughs> But yeah, like that's, that's that yeah. that kind of that level of stuff is is what occurs, and so you have to be skeptical. You have to be wary, and you you can't. Um, and and like my position on on the conflict, and I, I'm I'm sure yours is too, is that like Hamas is evil. You no one should support them. But at the same time, like the Israeli influence on American foreign policy over the last forty years is is not good either. Like we, we shouldn't just, you know, emotionally give them a blank check to influence our politics and, and, you know, um, cause us to be, to go into the middle East again for another disastrous trillion dollar war somewhere. Right. Mm -hmm. That's, um, that is, that's my biggest concern is like for my own country, right? It's like, well, if they want to take care of themselves, I want to care. I want to care about America and my country. Right. Yeah. This is, I mean, this is ultimately the thing. What they hate, what the regime hates, what the what the political interests on both sides hate is you to take an, like a an America first position where you say, actually, like, because I, I do have my personal opinions on what's going on over there. But what they hate is if I say I actually don't care very much compared to what's going on in America, like yeah. Ben Shapiro's freak out over, over Tucker, Tucker Carlson, yeah. yeah, over Tucker Carlson's concern about immigration and drugs was um I think a perfect embodiment of how the regime yes. treats yep. those who don't have emotional investment in what's going on in their priorities. I mean, this is, this is the thing that uh, strikes me the most is yeah. you have to care. You have to take a position. Otherwise you hate, uh, you know, you're anti-Semitic or whatever, you know, you, you yeah. have to take a position. And I, and I reject that entirely. I do have my own personal opinions, but for those that don't have their own personal opinions, they're like, look, at the end of the day, I just care about America. I think that's a very respectable and appropriate perspective to have. Yeah, right now. absolutely, Abs- absolutely, it is. And and yeah, that like the uh, Tucker is in all of this the only major figure who um, speaks with uh, the priorities of Americans first, mm-hmm. right? As the, as the top priority, right? Mm-hmm. Is what is what is good for our country. Uh, what are our problems and issues that we have? I mean, if it, if it demonstrates anything, it and, and you know we can we can go into this as well later, but it, it is showing that the that mass migration and multiculturalism in America and in in the West is is an absolute. I mean, obviously it's an absolute failure, but it it's become obvious that. We've imported these these people that have these ethnic blood feuds, mm-hmm. and and we should have no part in that at all. Mm-hmm. This is not like I don't I don't I don't want to see Hamas flags and Palestinian flags waved around in major cities and in, in elite universities. I don't I don't I don't want that. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't I don't want these people here. They shouldn't be here. Right? Mm-hmm. They have they're they are not Americans. Right. They don't have they don't have this priority. And, and and like for that matter, um, the other side of, of it, too, is right. I see all of these people saying, well, I'm I'm an American citizen, but my heart is with Israel. And like these people that are like dual citizens and things like that. It's like, well, or America's interests or Israel's interests and, and so on and so forth. And it's like, 
No, you need to pick one, right? When the interests of America and Israel conflict, which side do you take? Mm -hmm. And that's your country. Yeah. Right. Um, And so dual citizenship needs to go away. Yeah. And so, and so like when you, when you think about something like like Ben Shapiro, who isn't a dual citizen, as far as I know, I think he's, he's only an American citizen, but obviously Mm -hmm. very uh, pro-Israeli. Right. Mm -hmm. If, if there's a conflict in Ben Shapiro between American interests and Israeli interests, and I think I think there is, there often is. Um, which side does he take? Well, he takes Israel's side. I don't, right? or even he, I don't even think Anthony could, Blinken. You know, um, yeah, I don't I don't <laughs> think uh, Ben Shapiro can conceive of an America first interest. No, I think he sort of latched on um, to the conservative reaction to the left over the last you know seven years or whatever. Yeah, but I don't think conceptually he has an idea of what it means to be America first and have American priorities. Well, no, he, he views America as an economic zone. Right. I mean, that really, that's, that's, that's how he views America. He doesn't view America. He's like, Oh, it's this proposition nation. You see some of his past statements um, on, on immigration, you know, the, the tweet, I don't care about the browning of America, you know, uh, all I care about is their ideology or whatever, whatever. And it's like, and, and, and people, you know, latch onto this stuff and they, they look at it. And I, and I mean, I see people, you know, people reply to me like, no, like, um, you know, um, if you want to have the same, uh, perspective on America that Ben Shapiro has on on Israel that is white supremacy, right? Because mm-hmm. you're treating it like a like an ethno state because Israel's an ethno state. Even I mean, even though you know people will will bicker with that and say, well, no, there's there's plenty of Arabs there and and, and other people, but uh, largely, right? That's what it is. Well, right? but that's so, what an ethno state means. No, <laughs> this is the yeah, thing. Exactly, <laughs> an ethno state doesn't mean that an individual of another like ethnicity can't set foot into your country. That's a complete yeah, made yeah. up, you know, made up scenario. So it's a, it's, it's, it's just, it's silly category errors, but, yeah. um, but at, at any rate, it's like, well, this was originally American immigration policy was we are going to import people that can assimilate to our culture, our way of life, our religion, um, right. our, our, our heritage and history and adopt it as their own. Right. right. Which people are more likely to do that? Yeah. And, and I, and I, I just pose it with people. It's like, well, what's the standard? How do you determine that? And it's like, Oh, you know, <laughs> like, you know, and I, I just, I just said, I oh, said, yeah. I, I just said like, does the person come from a country where they put their shopping carts back in the cart corral when they're done? <laughs> with them? Right. That's, yeah. that's, that's a pretty good standard. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's funny though. Like, because, this is this is the classic like Jacobin mistake because we can't make everything precise like math. It can't be like you can't have yeah. these precise answers. We therefore can have zero answers. Yeah, like, exactly. that's that's retarded. <laughs> yeah, you. Oh, the, uh, well, uh, you. Yeah, you said word. it. You said yeah. it. You said it. Now we're in trouble. Um, but no, I mean, seriously though, it, it like that was that was the priority for American immigration really into the mid twentieth century is which people are able to be assimilated into our country and which ones are not. And that's a priority because we care about the good of our population that exists here now. And even the, even most conservative, uh, you know, somewhat skeptics of, of mass migration. Right. So people will be like, no, Ben Shapiro is against, uh, I listen to his show all the time. Like, I don't know how you can do it, uh, but I listen to his show all the time. And, yeah. and he's totally against the invasion at the border. And it's like, okay, yeah. Okay. He's against illegal immigration, but I'm against legal immigration right um, like, and he's a, he's against immigration on like technocratic terms like, yeah 
Yeah. Like because because the welfare state can't, you know, provide for everybody, we therefore need to rethink the the total quantity. It's like this total technocratic managerial yeah. expert class yeah. approach to immigration has nothing to do with culture. You're not allowed to bring up ethnicity. Uh, you're not allowed to bring up, uh, you know, you have to be restrained within the confines of legality and illegality. So mm -hmm. it's, yeah, that's, I mean, that's fake. That's a fake immigration and, policy. And, and you see that because you look at his views of Israel, like the tweet that he has about like Western narcissists thinking that all cultures are the same <laughs> and stuff like yeah. that. And it's like, yeah. uh, he obviously thinks like we do when it comes to Israel, mm -hmm. but when it comes to the economic zone that he likes to plunder called America, um, he, he doesn't care, right? Yeah. He just, he just views it as a, as a place to make money and yeah. to that anybody in the world can come to, as long as they believe in free market he's like, economics he, or something. He, now he's know? like fundraising for the IDF. He's like, you know, my pillow for the IDF. And it's, it's like <laughs> sitting there. I don't know. We can talk about Ben Shapiro more later. I actually want to, yeah, 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 yeah. I actually want to step back a little bit, um, and talk about like what this means like what's happening in the world? Because this isn't just like a conflict. This seems to be, um, in, in fact, we talked we talked a couple like a month ago about uh, when we had Pete Q on about mm -hmm. the meaning of the Ukraine conflict and the need for, um, wow. you know, Israel's needs for expansions and stuff. Yeah. How do you think things like that play out in light of this? Um, because you and I were yeah. talking before we went live. Um, yeah. I think Israel is going to completely wipe out Gaza. So. Yeah. How do we how do we reassess what's happening in in Eastern Europe in the Middle East? Oh uh, yeah, I mean you know Pete's Pete's theory, uh, which I'm like oh, maybe it's maybe it's legit. Um, is is that you know they they want to um, depopulate Ukraine and and uh, settle you know their people there and make it you know Israel too, um, and 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 because most of these people that's where they came from mm -hmm. um, is is Eastern Europe is, you know, the Pale of Settlement and, and so forth. Um, yeah. And so they, you know, they also in, in one sense view that as their homeland, um, even if they also view Israel as their homeland. And, and so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, some of it is like, they're just, it's, it's not a big country, right? It's not a big country at all. And you know, geographically and population wise, although population, like it's one of the few modern, um, post-industrial states that has a positive birth rate. And so they're running out of room. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's part of why the conflict is happening because they are, are pushing out the Palestinians to build settlements that, you know, over the last 20 years, that was the big conflict point mm -hmm. is, you know, construction of settlements and, and, uh, and all of that. And so there's not like, where do they go? Right. Where, where can they go? And, and so, yeah, maybe, maybe they go back to Eastern Europe. I don't, I don't know. Um, and especially if the conflict is, is extremely hot, right. If, if Hezbollah in the North is, um, launching these incursions, uh, continually, if Hamas, you know, doesn't get wiped out and is able to now, um, you know, conduct offensive operations like this, um, at, on a semi-regular basis, that is, um, you're not going to want to live there mm -hmm. too. And so, I mean, I th will there be a diaspora that returns to like the United States and, and to Europe? Uh, possibly, you know, that, that could be one outcome here. I mean, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to know exactly what happens because 
right? The the but picture like, is what you what we talked about before we went on was the fact yeah. that um you know, the you know world opinion is changing on Israel. You know, yeah. people are getting frustrated with them. So, I mean, this yeah. could be, and, and we we could talk about the the podcast that you know with Martyr made um, and some of the points that he made because yeah, this could get really nasty for Israel because it seems like the only solutions they have are going to continue to exacerbate the problems they have with world opinion right now. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I mean, and that's that's the whole point of Hamas doing this. Like, you know, they they clearly didn't think that they could launch these raids and you know, conquer Israel militarily. They, mm -hmm. they, they knew that like the point of it is they wanted, they wanted to provoke a reaction as, right. as in, intense as possible uh, from the Israelis. And then everyone would forget, because this is what has happened in, in all the previous instances of these conflicts. Um, everyone forgets, you know, the atrocities that they commit and all they see is, you know, dead Palestinian children uh, week after week after week. And in, in particular, the Arab countries and, and Europe, um, Europe is not anywhere near as as pro-Israeli as America is. Right. Um, and and even without you know thinking about the massive Muslim population in all these European countries, I mean, just the like the European left is is like you know the AOC, Ilhan Omar uh, caucus mm -hmm. in in Congress. Um, times a thousand like they're, they're they have way more way more of them there right and so um that the pressure that would be on israel after this because i think i think yeah um they they're going to attack they're going to um and and, and a point that that daryl you know made in this podcast we'll have to link to it i think uh because people should listen to because i think it's really good um information about just the you know, the tactical and strategic, you know, military, um, mm -hmm. you know, facts on the ground. And so like they have, they have a good handle on, on this stuff. And I think they're right. Um, is like, they're going to go in and, and attack and they're going to attack because like Israel's a small country. It's like 10 million people spread out of a very small geographic area. So it's like my, the state of my, that I live in Minnesota is like eight or 9 million people. And so if 1200 people were killed in Minnesota this last week in an attack like this, like I would, I would know probably somebody that was killed and I would have family members that would know somebody like everybody there knows somebody. So it's incredibly personal, right. In a way that maybe we can't comprehend um, so readily. And, and so the rage, I mean, they, I could see people being like Ben Shapiro and just saying like nuke them and, and destroy them, kill them all, you know, like that. Um, I could see why they would react that way. And so the, the rage that they have is, um, is palpable. And so I think like, this is, this is kind of it. Like, I think they, they want to deal with Gaza once and for all. I don't think they want to have some kind of ceasefire and negotiated solution. I think they want to just go in and wipe them out. And, mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, the survivors, you know, flood into Europe and America. Mm -hmm. That's probably, and you can already see that being, that idea. Yeah. Seated. This um, isn't, it's an interesting because there is like, you know, the, the pro-Palestinian third world mentality that has kind of infiltrated America is um, sort of, um, it can work together with Israel's president, the Likud party's current interests, I should say, um, you know, because you force, the, Likud can force them out. Israel can force them out. Where are they going to go? They're going to go to, 
uh, England and America. You know, they're going to go to Western Europe and America. England, France, Germany, yeah. America, uh, Sweden. So, like that's, that's so where it's they're like, going to go. Yeah, yeah. both both uh, political interests are going to get their way on this one. Um, so yeah, so we're, America's going to be, um, you know, given the gift of diversity of a million Palestinians. Yes, yeah. is, is probably what will happen. Um, and yeah. that and that's part of like the propaganda stuff. Like why? And that's why I've been so critical um, of Israel. I mean, this is kind of what like Israel's activities over the last de several decades have radicalized the Middle East, but it's also pushed a lot of, of these people into Western Europe, you know, because yeah. of Israel's endeavors, because of their interests and objectives. Um, and they you know, want, they, they want them to go to Western Europe and America. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. yeah that's what I'm they saying. want, they it's not like, a, it's not like, oops, sorry, we didn't mean for the refugee crisis to happen. Uh, right. Like they want it. Um, mm -hmm. And, and just, I mean, um, American, uh, policy you know, under the Obama administration in Syria, right? They wanted they they don't like Assad. They wanted to get rid of Assad. They're already like attacked. They they bombed uh, uh, the two uh, Syrian uh, airfields in the last week as well. Like like they and and that's part of like America getting dragged into this. But we don't have the forces in being to be able to like invade Iran. So I don't think. I mean, we maybe I don't know if we talked about that recently, but it's like. Um, the American military is is depleted. Uh, there's maybe a hundred, um, little over a hundred thousand infantrymen in the in the entire U.S. Army, active duty at least. I mean, there's reservists and National Guard and things like that, but but like the active duty, like you have you have a hand, you know, a couple divisions, right? So you're not going to be able to invade and occupy a country, massive country like Iran, with with you need millions in order to do that. And, um, and on top of that, there's no, um, all of the strategic reserves of artillery shells, missiles, um, you know, equipment, everything, all of that's gone to Ukraine. And mm -hmm. so in order to mobilize like millions of like you, and we don't have the manufacturing capacity to like, just, you know, backfill that instantly. Um, and so even if they wanted to like, you know, give Lindsey Graham what he wants and attacking Iran, they could, they can't, they can't do it. And so, but you know, Syria is much smaller. Um, and maybe that's where they want to go. Like that's been a, a priority. Like if not Iran, then, then Syria, right. It's kind of the, uh, the way of thinking and, and the way of thinking of the Israelis as well. And, um, and so that's, that's part of it is like, why do you, why do you dispute the propaganda? Do you love Hamas? And it's like, no, I don't want America to get involved in another war where thousands of of our people and it's and it's and it like literally is our people like like the mega chud um is is who is the one that that puts on you know body armor and a rifle and goes fight goes and fights for the army like that's mm -hmm. that's that's who they need that's right. they want they need our they need our consent right the the typical trump voter they need our consent to go fight this war and that's how they manufacture it Mm -hmm. is, is yeah i mean israel we talked about this last week like what what does an empire do when it's dying is it starts wars yeah. the best way to get our people on board is to make it about israel i mean this like, yeah. there's there's no other place on earth that would uh, uh that that would uh, inspire you know americans like fly over americans to go fight and die uh yeah. israel is the exception and so greatest makes, ally you know god's chosen people we need Christian, to go defend them yeah, like right. that they i mean on one hand, they're very stupid people, but on the other hand, like they know what works, right? They know what, you know, what heartstrings to grab hold of. And this is one of them.
And and so that's why you need to be wary of it, not because like you have any sympathy whatsoever for Hamas and Palestine, uh, but because you understand that these people had wield tremendous influence over American policy and they 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 provide no benefit to us whatsoever. Right. That's the other right. thing is it's an entirely one sided relationship where American billions flood in uh, Amer- the American military goes and fights their enemy, Saddam Hussein. And outs him and and you know kills you know a hundred you know hundreds of thousands of people, uh, devastates that country and expends a trillion dollars that we're still paying for today. Like you know when you go to the grocery store, it's not just Ukraine and COVID and everything else that you're paying for. You're also still paying for Iraq, and um, and they they want us to do it again. And you need to be able to say no, no, we're not going to do it again. Right? You mm-hmm. can take care of yourself. You can take care of your mm-hmm. own country. Um. And, and that needs to be like, you need to become impervious to propaganda, right? You need to become impervious to these calls where, of, of needing to do something um, and, and just say, no, our country, like Tucker, our country is literally being invaded. A hundred thousand Americans died from fentanyl last year that is provided by the cartels, right? It, who, if, if we want to hear, I can just hear Ben Shapiro. Well, what does that have to do with it? What does that have to do with Israel? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know that's that's exactly what he says, and and it's like okay, if you want to make, you know draw an analogy between like Gaza and Hamas and and anything, it's the cartels and Mexico, right? Yeah. If if anyone in America cared about Americans, anyone with power, we would we would be launching airstrikes in Mexico in response to that. Right. That's that's what would be happening. We, it would be a failed state. We'd, we'd send troops in and, and invade and occupy the place and not have to deal with fentanyl anymore. Yeah. Right. And not have to deal with mass migration anymore and a, and a flooded border. Right. Mm-hmm. We would just we take 100 miles and in, in, from the border and and um, occupy that and totally militarize it. And that's it. It's done. Right. right. Um, like that's that's what a, an actual functioning state would do. Um, or you'd be if if you know the Mexican government has you know actually did have um, monopoly on on force, you would just threaten them and say you need to deal with this, mm-hmm. and and if you can't then we will, right? That's what a, that's what a functioning state that cares about its people would do, and we don't have that. And it's like yeah yeah Ben Shapiro, I would love it if you know we had an American Netanyahu, <laughs> you know that would be nice. like somebody who cares about our people and is like you know a yeah. hawk. For our people and our people's interests, we don't have anything like that at all. Um, and and so yeah, him him freaking out at Tucker over that. It's like no, these people chose to do fentanyl. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. oh okay, yeah, that's that's exactly how it works. Thanks, thanks, Ben. Yeah. Um, like it's it's um it, it's so funny to see this um play out because like this guy doesn't actually care about America at all. Like he's just a shill for Israel, right? Yeah. He doesn't care about our country. Uh, it's, it's all about his country. And, yeah. uh, and so anyway, um, yeah, we could, and we're going to keep going back to him, I'm sure. But, uh, but <laughs> so I, I wanted to, I wanted to reference an article um, on my favorite website, which is uns.com. So one of my favorite commentators on um, the Middle East and geopolitics is Pepe Escobar. Have you read him? I don't think I have. No. Yeah. So he, um, 
I really, I always pay attention to what he says and I take him very seriously, but he has this article on UNS, the geopolitics of Al-Aqsa. I, I, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's Al-Aqsa, I think, or Al-Aqsa or whatever. Uh, yeah. That's that's the name of, of the uh, operation, Al-Aqsa Flood. Um, okay. Your guess is as good as mine. Okay. Yeah. So he, he just says basically that Hamas's operation was meticulously planned, but the launch date was conditioned by two triggering factors, right? Because this is always the thing. Um, one day, for no reason at all, Hamas attacked Israel, right? That's kind of like the, the line that's being pushed. Yeah. But he says, first, the first uh, factor was Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu flaunting his new Middle East map at the UN General Assembly in, in September, in which Netanyahu completely erased Palestine and made a mockery of every single UN resolution on the subject. So in other words, Israel's been you know needing to wipe out Gaza for some time now. And then he yeah. says, second are the serial provocations at the Holy Alaska Mosque in Jerusalem, including the straw that broke the camel's back. Two days before the Alaska flood, on the 5th of November, at least 800 Israeli settlers launched an assault around the mosque, beating pilgrims, destroying Palestinian shops, all under the observation of Israeli security forces. This is it 5th of November or October? October. I said. Okay. I think I said October. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so it's two days before the 7th, which is when okay. uh, yep. the invasion happened. So. Um, so everyone with a functioning brain knows Alaska is a definitive red line, not just for Palestinians, but for the entire Arab and Muslim world. So it's like, so these sorts of taunts, um, are causing these extremist reactions. And this is kind of like the yeah. pattern because Israel goads people into attacks and then it has justification to do something even more serious to get their way. Right. Because this is part yeah. of their plan. Yeah. And it's but, not, uh, I mean, just to pause for a second, it's not like you're saying, uh, like like the Qataris and Saudis did, like right? the immediate letter that they sent out, which now this gives it some context. Mm -hmm. um, they send this letter out, and it's like basically saying that Israel deserved it, right? Did you see those? Um, official, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, statements that that the right the Qataris but and the, the point uh, the point is not to get they, bogged down in those, but to understand yeah. at, like the ra po political rationale. That's what yeah. What what understand. motivates this? It this isn't is what, just for no reason. Yeah. Ron Paul yeah. said this again and again. It's not like yeah. we were sitting here twiddling our thumbs and then the terrorists came and you know took out our towers. It's yeah. like you have to understand their rationale, their reasons yeah. for doing things. Whether you agree with their rationale or right. um, or buy it or think there's any justification for it or whatever, like, but there is one. Right. That's the thing. Like, and that's understand. usually usually like people that are heavily propagandized it's just yeah just like like whoa yeah we, for no reason at all it just happened <laughs> yeah. um like you you have to understand that there there are um motivating factors for anything it wasn't it's not just random mm -hmm. um exactly and so yeah i think that's that's important. Yeah. So continue on. This is this is interesting. So, yeah. So then he goes, um, I'm going to skip a paragraph here. It goes, sections of the West applauding the upcoming ethnic cleansing, including Zionists, posing as analysts, saying out loud that the population transfers that began in 1948 must be completed. Believe that with massive weaponry and massive media coverage, they can turn things around in short shrift. In other words, they're losing um, like the manufactured consensus. And so they're trying to turn mm -hmm. things around. They need to annihilate the Palestinian resistance. Man manufactured lead... consensus in, in Israel or just in the, the world, world, in the Western yeah. world, you know, they're yeah. trying to turn it around because the Likud yeah. party has completely destroyed Israel's reputation basically. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. And right. they need to leave Hamas allies like Hezbollah and Iran weakened. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's kind of their point. That's um, big so, priority. Yeah. Yeah. So then he says, uh, that brings us to the cost of launching this new war on terror. The propaganda is in full swing for Netanyahu in Tel Aviv. Hamas is ISIS, which is a complete lie. Hamas yeah, and ISIS yeah. are at odds with each other and hate yeah. each other. Yeah. Anyways, for Zelensky in Kiev, Hamas is Russia. 
Over one October yeah. weekend, the war in Ukraine was completely forgotten by Western mainstream media. Uh, blah blah blah. Yeah. So, so then he says, um, Egyptian. So then he talks about the Egyptian intel, which uh, was saying that it warned Tel Aviv about the attacks, mm-hmm. and the Israelis chose to ignore it, as they did the Hamas training drills they observed in the weeks prior. So Hamas has been training, um, you know, and they've completely ignored they do it. Do something. Yeah. 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 So basically, then he says, this is the good part. Um, so Israel is inevitably turning turned to battering the Gaza Strip, an encircled cage of 365 square kilometers packed with 2.3 million people. That's insane, by the way. Yeah, yeah. That's, the indis- that's like the population density of like Hong Kong. Right. right. Yeah. Right. And then Israeli Defense Minister Gallant proclaimed a complete siege on the Gaza Strip. There will be no electricity, food, fuel. Everything is closed. We're fighting human animals and we will act accordingly. So they're, in other words, you know, they've been preparing to wipe out the Gaza Strip in accordance with Netanyahu's plans that he announced to the UN in September. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, um, you know, he talks about how Ukraine's been funneling weapons to Palis- the, uh, the Palestinians. So they, they've been supporting this. The, the entire thing was basically like a, a prep for a Palestinian-Israeli standoff. Uh, yeah. But then it gets interesting because he says... Um, that the immediate consequence of the Alaska flood is that the Washington neocon dream of normalization between Israel and Arab world was is simply going to vanish if this turns into a long war. Large swaths of the Arab world are already normalizing their ties with Tehran and not only inside the newly expanded BRICS 11. In other words, the, the yeah. power dynamics of the world are completely shifting toward Russia and BRICS. So is he is he saying there's going to be you know some sort of uh, rapprochement with between the Saudis and the Iranians, because I mean that's like the main conflict. That's I mean he, he thinks that he thinks that yeah that's that in itself is sort of a proxy for America's standoff with the East. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Which I mean that's that's I mean when you talk about like trying to think through geopolitics and what's going on is yeah the result could be all right at the end of this Israel gets Gaza. And, and wipes out the Gazans and depopulates it. And um, that threat is neutralized. Um, right. But yes. the cost of that will be the entire Arab world, which used to be, you know, split between Iran and Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. um, would be united against them. Right. And he, right. he, and he yeah. says that the Russia, China, uh, Russia, China, Iran alliance you know, it's being demonized in the Western media as the new axis of evil, right, by the Western yeah. neocons. So they're, they're prepping for this. So what this means in the immediate future is that the American dream of interfering across the five seas does not ever qualify as a mirage, not even qualify as a mirage. Al- the al Asqua flood has just buried the recently announced and much ballyhooed EU, Israel, Saudi Arabia, India transportation corridor. In other words, yeah. you know, they're, yeah. they're preparing like an entirely new um, you know, set of allies to confront yeah. our own, you know, efforts or our own interests and in interconnectivity in the Middle East. China yeah. is keenly aware of all this taking place only a week before its third belt and road forum in Beijing. At stake mm-hmm. are the BRI connectivity corridors that matter across the heartland, across Russia, plus the Maritime Silk Road and the Arctic Sea. His point is that this is going to be a standoff with the East. The geopolitical repercussions of this event will speed up Russia, China, and Iran's interconnected geoeconomic and logistical connections, bypassing the hegemon and its empire of bases. Increased trade and nonstop cargo movement are all about business. On equal yeah. terms with mutual respect, 
uh, yeah. So not exactly the war party scenario for a destabilized Western Asia. In other words, this is yeah. only going to strengthen the East, um, and this is going to accelerate and expand uh, to the world. So yeah, strengthen and unify it um, against the United States and Western Europe, and 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 basically establish um, pretty clear conditions for uh, lasting conflict. Whether it's, I mean, uh, active hot war, probably not. But you know, I don't because that's the thing. Like Russia and China. I mean, that's any anytime you you bring up the conflict between the East and the West, uh, people think, well, the Russians are going to invade and the Chinese are going to invade, and it's like they don't need to; they can just use proxies. Yeah, yeah they don't. They don't need, and that's that's how it, yeah. it is. Is it's just proxy wars? But that's how um, America's. That's that's how yeah. the last twenty years have been. Yeah, and and, and, and um, in fact, America set up Hamas. You and and Israel did well, too, as yeah, a as a counter to, to the PLO. Yeah, and it's like I mean, it, it is. It is, um, you know, their own creation that has come back to to haunt them and bite them, um, mm-hmm. and and so anyway, yeah, it, it is. It it's the the neoconservative moment is is quickly, I think, vanishing. Um, that they they're not able to accomplish their goals that they they set out to to create, like they wanted. They wanted the Middle East to be unstable because it's easier to play different sides off each other and, and manipulate it and, and pursue your goals that way. But if they're united um, against you and with the the Chinese and the Russians, that's that's not good. And, and and on top of this, it's like you know we always go back to like how stupid the regime is. Like they're very they're very stupid people. And here you are, you have the situation where um, you could lose the Saudis, right? If I'm understanding it correctly. Right. I mean, maybe that relationship still is incredibly um, it's, it tight. Seems, it seems, it seems more like more tenuous than ever, than seems, ever, though. Yeah, it seems more like they're trying to reroute all these, you know, trade corridors and they're trying to reconstruct yeah. things and leave and leave um, give themselves an out. Maybe. The American, you know, the American allies kind of just out to water. You know, there's yeah. there's they're trying they're trying. That's what they're trying. That's what his point is is they're kind of redirecting things and they're taking no interest in our, in participating with us in the east. Yeah, so not necessarily abandoning the United States and they're going to cut the Americans well, off of oil. Uh but they could. You know, that's if you set it up this way where you have uh it's where you just they don't want to be dependent on us anymore yeah. because well, they can't it, be trusted. It's understandable. <laughs> it's yeah. understandable that they would want to have options. Um but then you you have like the craziest thing in all of this is the American regime is is totally dead set against American uh, energy independence. So you know America could be in a in a situation where it doesn't need Saudi Arabia at all. We have all of the oil and gas that we ever could want or need, but we're not allowed to get it. Right? Like it's it's insane. Like from a from like a geopolitical strategic uh, perspective that they wouldn't want, you know, American industry to be here and, and production to be here and, and oil and gas um, to be produced here. They, you know, and so like all of the America last um, domestic uh, priorities of the regime um, leave them, uh, which, which is are obvious, right? They, they hate us and hate our country and hate our people. Um, but it, it causes them to have way more levers to manipulate globally and geopolitically. Right. <laughs> and so it like, they painted themselves in the corner with all of this because of their, their zealous anti uh, Americanism domestically. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and so like that, I just, I mean, some of it is like, I don't get, I don't get what they're doing, but I do get what they're doing. You know, um, they, they, they hate us and they want to be able to manipulate, manipulate the globe and wield all this power globally. Uh, but not for our benefit <laughs> at all, you know? Um, and so I guess, so what do you think, you know, a month from now, right? Um, Lord willing, we'll still be here recording this podcast, uh, a month from now or, or around Christmas time, right? Um, what, what do things look like or a year from now, right? What do things look like when it, when it's all said and done? Man, that's, that's the thing. I, I, I don't, first of all, the thing that I don't think is going to happen is a, is a normalization of, you know, I don't think things are going back. I think this, no. this is a significant turning point to something. Yeah. So the, so the question is whether it's like, I don't, I don't necessarily buy into like the complete, like third, like world war three no. uh, in, in the same sense as world war two, like this, like, it, you know, where we're all being drafted and all that stuff. No. Um, so I don't see that. Um, but I do see increased stabilization. I also see a lot more economic pain, a lot more mm -hmm. inflation. Um, mm -hmm. you know, like, like I think, I think the economic pain that's coming, it's just like this slow decline. It's not like this big stock market crash end of the world scenario. Like yeah, nobody um, has any jobs. It's all over apocalypse yeah. style, but I do think it's just increased pain, like, you know, yeah. layoffs, um, and more economic pain and, and just more strife. I think there's going to be a lot more, like, especially in city centers, I think there's going to yeah. be a lot more reflection of, uh, you know, third world agitators. Uh, mm -hmm. I think the immigration could even double, you know, from what's happening right now, they're just going to continue to be pouring in and we're going to be culturally and economically surrounded. And I think that's sort of the, I think that's sort of the, you know, four to five year game plan. It's just mm -hmm. this slow choking of our way of life. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the black pill for today. Um, <laughs> but I, I think, I mean, I, 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 agree I mean, with you. although even, even if you are like on the medium term white pill, like you no. are, I mean, you and I both agree that things have to get worse before they can, we can come out of it. Oh yeah. I mean, and, and like this kind of stuff, like I think for Americans, for heritage Americans to, um, to be deprogrammed from the liberalism that, you know, um, dominates our brains and our hearts um and to be able to say no we don't want these people here right i mean i think that's going to continue to grow mm -hmm. right um i don't think you can you can watch hamas um celebrations occur in your country and think oh wow diversity is our strength isn't it so great that we have the ability to, to eat all these different kinds of foods and uh, have all of these different people in our, isn't that great? Like, no, I think, I think normal, regular people are like, why are they in our country? Mm -hmm. Why are they here? Get them out of here. Mm -hmm. uh, get the, they need to be gone. And um, that sentiment will grow. And I think that's a necessary condition for any kind of American renewal is like one, just understanding what's going on. <laughs> understanding that your country is being invaded and, and your way of life is being destroyed um, uh, by people who don't put their shopping carts back. And, and it's like, like that is, that is um, right. What, what people have to understand is um, your, 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 your country's gone or, or you're losing it and you need to fight it. And, yeah. and heretofore we haven't, there, there hasn't been any resolve whatsoever. I mean, flickers of it during the early Trump years, 
but there hasn't been any resolve whatsoever to to deal with this conflict directly, right? It's always been kind of like, well, we're against illegal immigration and that's bad. And, and like like you said, for these technocratic managerial reasons, like, well, we just can't afford it. Uh, it's like, yeah, no, uh, even if we could, they got to go. You got to go back. Um, yeah. This, this is, this is, is not good. Um, and if you're, and you can see this in, in, in Western Europe, like the AFD is more popular than it has ever been in Germany. And, you know, and Germans are, are completely, um, um, completely, um, dominated mentally, right. By the, yeah. by the middle of the way more than Americans are obviously by the middle of the 20th century with, with guilt and, and all of this stuff. And even they are beginning to say, no, we can't have, uh, tens of millions of, of Muslims in our country. We don't want that. This is not good. Yeah. Um, the and funny so thing about the AFD, that has to happen because. Paul Paul knows the AFD really well because he yeah. uh, speaks German and he's got a lot of context over there. But he's he's funny because he's like, you know, we're we're being told that the AFG is like the rise of the new like Nazi party or whatever. He's like, the head of the AFD is a lesbian. Is, is a lesbian? Like, yeah, yeah. She's, they're, they're like they're like the GOP basically because but things are so yeah. bad over there that they look like this. Uh, you know, way out. Yeah. So it's, it's just like funny. hardcore right wing party. Yeah. 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 No, it, yeah. it is, and 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 like. No, it's not funny. Um, and, and the same thing with like the GOP in America, like it is, it is nowhere near as hardcore as it needs to be. And, mm -hmm. and yet, you know, the sentiment is growing. I mean, you see this even with uh, the recent polling, like there were, there were, there's polling out of Pennsylvania that Trump has like a 10 point lead in Pennsylvania uh, over mm -hmm. Biden, which is astounding. Um, and we haven't even talked about any of that yet, but yeah. I, I think, um, and we haven't even talked about like Trump, uh, vis-a-vis, -vis, uh, Netanyahu either. I don't, did I bring that up? I can't remember. Um, we talked about a little bit about before we recorded, but, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because obviously Trump is this very pro Israeli guy and, and made no bones about that. I mean, I think that's a big reason he was allowed to win the GOP nomination, in 2016 is he, he had to be right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yet he feels very betrayed by Netanyahu who, mm -hmm. uh, immediately after the most secure election of all time, um, uh, uh, congratulated Biden for winning the presidency and didn't support Trump and his, um, you know, kind of quixotic campaign against the, uh, fortification in the election. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so he feels betrayed by him. And you, you see this in the speech uh, this week where he says something like, you know, the Soleimani raid, uh, Israel wouldn't take part in it. Netanyahu didn't help out at all, but he took credit for it. That's okay. Uh, you know, like, yeah. like <laughs> he, uh, uh, he's, he's very bitter uh, towards him, but, the, uh, but there's a, um, there's a strategic political reason why is because Netanyahu is now very, very unpopular in Israel. Yeah. Because the people there believe he failed them, yeah. Right? They believe no, exactly that, that, that he failed miserably, and and their their attitude is way different than America, where it's like, yeah, we're gonna stand behind George Bush uh, after nine eleven. They're like, no, you failed, and we need somebody else. What? So I know we have like four minutes left, but yeah. I guess uh, we wanted to talk about too about how this bears on the election. But what do you think about Ron DeSantis's response to everything and Trump in particular? Stupid yeah. or? Oh. Uh, yeah, DeSantis is. Um, I mean, you you saw the like he he clipped part of the video where right. um, 
where Trump is saying that Hezbollah was smart because they attacked where they weren't or whatever, you know, and it's like, how dare he say that? You know, and it's like, he's, he's not saying that, Oh, I think Hezbollah is great. Um, and it, it's just this like I extremely think desperate, you know, uh, very fine people hoax that they're trying. Yeah. To- it's crazy. It was totally like a, um, like a, uh, you know, advisor class, like a GOP consultant oh, yeah. class move. Uh, yeah. to do that so it it, it really sh- sh- shines a lot of light on like what what type of foreign policy would Ron DeSantis has I've always been suspicious of it yeah. um this is not putting things in his favor for me no it know? isn't and it and I, I I commented on this and said that like here you had the most impressive governor in America in in a long time right he stepped up to the plate and and fought battles that he should fight he used power effectively um mm-hmm. and that was very impressive and we both were <laughs> uh praising this this guy early on you could go back to the early episodes of this podcast before we were we knew what we were doing and, <laughs> and, uh, and we're praising we were what praising the guy yeah well more more than i used to <laughs> and we're pra- we're praising the guy and and saying how great he is and and they've just ruined him Right. What's he at? Like 10% in the polls. Uh, yeah. He had no chance. And yeah. uh, maybe somehow he comes in second in Iowa. They should have just um, let Chris Rufo run his campaign. You know, someone like that. People he want doing a lot better. That's people, for sure. People want agitation. They're not into like this old like Bush era GOP yeah. politics. Talk you know? about how great Ronald Reagan is and stuff yeah. like that. The 11th oh, commandment wow. is never criticized. No, the new, the 12th commandment is uh, set fire to the GOP establishment. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's exactly. what people want. Yeah. Like if you, and I, I was talking about this uh, with a friend and it, it's and the reason why, like there are two, two groups of people that support DeSantis. It is the GOP donor class and consultant class on the one hand. And then on the other, it's like, people bitter at Trump because he wasn't the 4d chess, you know, uh, God emperor that they thought he was, which is more understandable. Yeah. Which, yeah, I, I sympathize with those people, you know, <laughs> and like, those are the two groups and they're totally at odds with each other. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the donor class hates the, the other, the group that wants, you know, a, a, a right wing, you know, a hardcore guy and uh, Trump or uh, DeSantis can't uh, run to Trump's right. Because the donor class won't let him. Right. But the only way that he could possibly have won the nomination is say, okay, Trump, you did this, right? You this is your view on immigration or whatever. Well, I'm gonna go one step further. Yeah. And right. and that would that could make it a competitive race. Yeah. And 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 part of it too is like the guy is just um he doesn't have a charismatic bone in his body. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean the, the I mean a big thing and it, it seems so trivial, but like uh mass democracy is trivial. And, but like, in order to do this, you have to be charismatic in one, one shape uh, or another. And Trump is very funny. He's hilarious. He's, he, he is like a stand-up comedian and like you, you watch his speeches and it's, it's, it's entertaining to watch. Like you, you watch it because it's like better than anything that Hollywood produces for TV. And, and DeSantis goes up there and he's got kind of this nasally whiny voice and sounds, you know, um, isn't pleasant to listen to, isn't, um, isn't funny or entertaining or, or really a compelling speaker in any way. And, um, and he's just standing on policy, 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 but well, policy doesn't win elections, mm-hmm. um, in mass democracy. 
right? I mean, if you had an electorate that was like 10, you know, 90% smaller than it was, and you only, you only let a certain number of like people that, uh, you know, could vote, right? If you only let people that have 130 IQ and above vote or whatever, right. uh, then, then maybe he'd have a chance, but that's not, that's not how it works. You have, everybody gets the right to vote. Right? Yeah. And so you have to, you have to appeal to the lowest common denominator and yeah. Trump is and able that, to do that. Yeah. And that, that's, can. And that's a you know criticism of our of our system for sure, but you still oh, yeah. have to play with the card the hand that you're dealt. I mean that's just the exactly. way it is. So. Exactly. And so it's it's been it's been really sad to see this this campaign. Uh, even for, like I w- I've never been a DeSantis guy, but I don't take any joy in watching, um, yeah, this impressive governor self immolate like he has. Yeah, you know that's that's not good. I don't like it. Um, yeah. And so it also shows that you can't have an effective right wing uh, political campaign unless you are completely financially independent. Like Trump yeah, is. you have to be a billionaire to mm-hmm. be able to do this kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And so he has all the conditions necessary and, and, and like thinking about the future, you know, after 2024, right. Who could it be? Right. The only possible conceivable person in my mind. And of course in 2014 or 15, Trump really wasn't on anyone's radar to be this guy. Um, so I leave that out there. It's like, well, maybe he's out there and we're not even thinking about the guy. Uh, but the only conceivable guy in my mind is Tucker, right? Is, is, is the only one that, man, that would um, be crazy, man. That would be, that would be, he, and he's, he could beat Trump. I really think he could. If he had run this time, he, I think he could too, but he's smart enough not to oppose Trump. You know, he's much more than Ron is. Anyways, I think yeah. that's it for today. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's more to talk about. And we'll probably have to revisit this because I don't think this issue uh, and this well, conflict is going to go away or anything no, like that. No, it's, um, it's very live. It's very early on. And so next yeah. week, a whole new world could could take place. You know, there, there are, you know, what is the saying? There are decades when nothing happens and then there are weeks when decades happen. And yeah. that, that's, that's uh, this was one of them now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and anything else you want to add? Any, any writing? Any, any stuff with Chronicles that you've done that you want to... Uh, Nothing uh, new. Okay. Nothing new. Follow me at, at Contra Mortar. All right. Well, um, thank you all for joining us for this uh, very special bonus uh, episode. And um, hopefully hopefully things continue to get better. Um, you know, hopefully <laughs> hopefully it's not all black pills. Uh, I, think, I think there are white pills that we dispensed as well. Um, but if, if, if you enjoyed the episode, if you thought this was valuable and, and good information to, to discuss, uh, please share it, uh, like, subscribe, uh, get it out there, get in front of other people. And uh, thank you so much for, for listening, for watching, and uh, stay dangerous, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.